Listening to the Theology of Music podcast, the only podcast where we unpack the good and sometimes bad theology in the songs that we sing. My name is Pastor Joel. Welcome again to the Theology of Music podcast. My name is Pastor Joel, and because it's still Advent season, we are still going to keep looking at Christmas songs, which are some of my favorite songs of all time, uh, especially as a worship leader. I love leading Christmas songs. I know that there's a bit of a meme in the um, worship leading community of how you just kind of Christmas songs, you sing, you feel as if you sing the same songs every week and you can't wait to sing, you know, regular songs. Uh, And I I think that's sad just because I think Christmas songs are just so beautiful. And I believe that the incarnation is a very underdeveloped doctrine in our daily theology, right? And in the way that we go about our lives, I I don't think we ponder the incarnation enough. And so I love that for a season, you know, for a month or so, depending on how long you listen to Christmas music. Some of you listen to it before Thanksgiving. Some of you listen to it after. Some of you only listen to it in December. It's fine. Look, it's okay. You know, potato, potato, you do what you want. You live your life. Okay. But the, the great thing about that is, is no matter how long you listen to Christmas music or how soon you listen to Christmas music, you are going to have to come face to face with the incarnation of Jesus Christ. And it is such a beautiful doctrine, right? We talked about it in the last podcast episode when we talked about Sing We the Song of Emmanuel. How wonderful it is to think and, and know and, and ponder that God came down to save me, that he was born to die in my place. And so today we're going to talk about one of the greatest Christmas songs of all time, probably one of the most famous Christmas songs, Get Out of Here, Mariah Carey. It is O Holy Night. And O Holy Night is a beautiful song that has a really cool story. And I don't know if you know it. So this song was originally written as a poem way, way, way back when, 1840s, right? And it was written by a French poet. And he was commissioned by a local priest in in France. And he said, I I really want you to, I I want this to be read or sung in mass um, for Christmas, around Christmas time. And he's thinking that's that is a that's a deadline. All right, so so he starts penning this down, and then as he pens it, uh, it's originally called Cantique de Noel, um, or de Noel. Day was probably more Spanish. Um, and what was really cool was he wasn't a musician, so he had to get someone else to write the music for it. And uh, what was cool, I'm saying cool a lot because this is a really cool, interesting story. The guy who wrote the music actually was Jewish. So what was really crazy for him was, one, this poem doesn't represent a day he celebrates because he doesn't celebrate Christmas because he's a Jew and he doesn't view Christ as the son of God. And this song is about Jesus. And so it's really, it's it's funny that even that this priest asks this guy to write this poem and by doing that, he is in a sense challenging the faith of another man. And so he writes the music and it's incredible and they sing it and for midnight mass and it it's a hit. I mean, it blows up in France and it, it just consumes the Catholic church at the time. And it was great. Well, what happens is eventually the poem writer leaves the church and, um, Capo is his name. He leaves the church and then the, the church finds out that the person who wrote the music was a Jew. And so, you know, what happens in this is you see scandal 
because one half of this duo left the church for socialism and the other half is believes something that's counter to the church. And, and, and so this church in a, a knee jerk reaction of this revelation, right? Essentially says you can't sing this song anymore and bans the song in the entire faith in France. Uh, but what is so beautiful and I love this, and this is how God works is even when people who, who you would look to and say, those are supposed to be the, the, the mature, the believers, right? Even those people that you're supposed to look up to, even when they do wrong, God's, God's purposes are still accomplished, right? Because what God does is he doesn't move and act through normal means. I mean, the incarnation itself shows that all the prophecies about how Jesus would come were so counter to who, to who the Jews believed the Messiah would be. And it's the same thing about the song. The song that has blessed people for over a hundred years came about by a Jew and someone who denounced the faith. And yet it has blessed and even grew in the, you know, almost like a grassroots underground part of France. And then the cool thing too, I keep saying cool because it's just really exciting. An, an English guy who really wasn't super popular, uh, John Sullivan Dwight took the song and brought it to Virginia and added, uh, added a verse and translated it. Uh, and, and he wrote uh, more, more to it during the time of the civil war. So this is even now there's, now there's a new element. And so there's this huge, just beautiful tapestry that's being woven in, in the story of the song. And I really think for you to understand how beautiful the song is, it's nice. You know, you have the nice part where you, you know, where uh, Celine Dion does it. She's one of the best ones who sings it. I mean, my wife also sang the song and I really, really like it when she sings it as well. Uh, but you know, you can just think, oh, it's a beautiful song, but there's such a rich story behind it. And so I wanted you to know that before we start. So let's read the lyrics though. Okay. So I don't typically do anytime I lead this song, verse two, I, it's just a weird song, uh, if you do it that way. And so, oh, holy night, you start with, oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth, a thrill of hope. The weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. And then you say, this chorus is, fall on your knees, O hear the angel voices, O night divine, O night when Christ was born, O night, O holy night, O night divine. And so I'm not going to read verse two, but verse, I'll, I'll read verse two. It's led by the light of faith, serenely beaming with glowing hearts by his cradle we stand. So led by light of a star sweetly gleaming, here come the, the wise men from Orient land. The king of kings lay thus in a lowly manger in all our trials born to be our friend. And then the chorus for that is he knows our need to our weakness, no stranger. Behold your king, behold him lonely bend. Behold your king, your king before him bend. I don't think anyone does the second verse. It has weird, it, so it switches now. So it's no longer about us glorying in Christ. It becomes about the wise men. And it's a weird thing to sing a whole entire verse from the perspective of the wise men. Um, it, it's just weird. And then even in our trials born to be our friend, it's just, a, it, just a, a weird line to throw in there. He wasn't born to be our friend. He was born to die to pay for our sins and to glory, give the glory to the Lord for that. 
Uh, and I think that's one of the reasons why no one sings that second verse. Uh, I always joke as a songwriter too. Uh, even Matt and I, we, we've joked about this. My partner in the Grace Collective, oftentimes you have a really good first verse and a good for, a good chorus. And your second verse is like the, the table scraps, right? You just kind of, well, I mean, like, yeah, because you don't really need to care about the middle. You just get a good start, a good end, and the middle part's fine. And so oftentimes second verses aren't really that great. And you can see here, really not that great. Okay, so third verse. Truly he taught us to love one another. His law is love and his gospel is peace. Change shall he break for the slave is our brother and is in his name. All oppression shall cease. Sweet hymns of joy and grateful chorus raise we. Let all within us praise his holy name. And then you say, Christ is the Lord. Then ever, ever praise we his power and glory evermore proclaim. His power and glory evermore proclaim. I love the first verse. Okay, so here's the beauty of the first verse. Oh, holy night. So this night, I love even if you've been in church long enough, you know that the word holy, what it means. It means set apart. So the beauty of saying, oh, holy night is, oh, night that was set apart. The stars are brightly shining, right? It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. I mean, this this day was long foretold and long looked for and longed for, long, longed for. I can't speak tonight. The next line, I think, is, is powerful. Long lay the world in sin and error, pining till he appeared and the soul felt his worth. I don't know if you often think, Christian or listener, if you often think about the reality that the whole world hadn't really heard from God in hundreds of years Right. We, because we have the Bible in its completeness, can see Old Testament to New Testament. And we go, oh, it's nice. And Matthew. And there we are in the New Testament. And Jesus is here. But that was generations of time that you were supposed to wait for Christ to come and change everything. But you had to wait. I don't know where you are right now as you're listening to this. You might be in that same position, waiting. Heck, you might have been waiting for years. One of my favorite songs, uh, Christmas songs, is a newer Christmas song written by Sovereign Grace, and it's, Oh, Come All You Unfaithful. And the second verse brings me to tears every time because it says, Oh, come barren and waiting, uh, or I think barren and wanting, come uh we, uh, weary from waiting, something like that. I'm, I'm not trying to botch it, but I love that a song talked about infertility and the pain of waiting for, for parenthood and trying and, and, and not in your mind succeeding, right? I mean, how hard is it to wait for the Lord to come through? especially when it's something that no one really talks about. And that happens a lot in the church. There are things that people wrestle with that no one talks about because to them, it's embarrassing. You should, you should just be able to have kids. I mean, that, how many people have you heard say that wrongly? How many of you are waiting? And if you are waiting, I hope that this song gives you hope because it talks about it, right? So it says, long lay the world in sin, really. Romans says none, none are righteous. So literally in those, those years and years and years and years between when Christ came and when God had stopped speaking, 
the the world was in sin. It wasn't flourishing. It wasn't living righteously, right? Left to our own devices, we will always sin. The heart is deceitful. It's, the tongue is wicked. It's a fire, right? The scripture is very clear. We are not the stars of the show. We will not choose righteousness apart from Christ. In sin and error, pining, right? Romans also talks about how the, the world itself groans. I mean, it's it's been waiting for Christ to set it free. The very earth itself has, has been dying for Christ to set it free from the influence of the fall until he appeared and the soul felt its worth. Your self-worth is not in yourself. It, it can't be in yourself. When, when it is in yourself, relationships will always fail. When it's in yourself, your job will always fail. Uh, disappoint you. you your your own your own self will always disappoint you. But when your self worth is rooted in Christ, then there's the worth. And what happens? A thrill of hope. I love that. I love that line. I I, I really think the church today needs to be reminded. There's a thrill of hope in the Christmas season. The weary world rejoices. I mean, come on, 2020. I don't have to say it. Our world is weary. But Christmas, this Christmas 2020 should be the time that we point every single person to the thrill of hope that comes in the new and glorious morn, which is Christ is born. Fall on your knees, oh, hear the angel voices. I mean, hosts of hosts were telling the shepherds. It wasn't some guy who was look, you know, got lost and said, just to let you know Jesus is here, if you care. I mean, they were a number that couldn't be numbered and they were singing for joy because there's a thrill to it. Oh, night divine. I love it. I love that. So then you get to, let's skip the second verse. Let's get to the third verse, which if you understand, like we talked about the story behind it. So this author, right, the the English author, not the French one, but the one from America, right? Dwight, who took the song and added to it and and translated it. He lived during the time of the Civil War, which the main issue going on was slavery, right? And so the beauty of the third verse in context, when you put it in context, just explodes. I mean, think about it. Truly, he taught us to love one another. His law is love and his gospel is peace. Change shall he break for the slave is our brother. I don't think you can even fathom how controversial that would have been to sing at Christmas time during those years. And the sad reality is much like the, the world today. When we sing Christmas songs, you don't even think about Jesus and what he did. And many people during that time most likely heard that song and went, yeah, okay, who cares? Or even maybe did what I do. Instead of not singing the second verse, they don't sing the third verse. But chains shall he break for the slave is our brother. So in that context, it was the black slave right? The Irish slave, any slave. He's our brother. He taught us to love one another. What is the greatest commandment? To love your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second one is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. He taught us to love one another. He even said, the only way people will know your mind is how you love 
each other, Christians. And you can't say that the slave isn't a Christian because he's actually your brother now. His law is love and his gospel is, I mean, his gospel is peace. That's, that is your core, the gospel. It's peace. Law, think back to the Old Testament. The law was the end all be all. And he says his law is love. I love that. In his name, all oppression shall cease. Dude, those, I'm sorry. That's just, I just love this song. These, those two lines, change shall he break for his, for the slave is our brother. And in his name, all oppression shall cease. Just rocks my world when I, when I think about how this was written in the context that it was written, right? All oppression has to cease in Jesus's name. And that doesn't just mean towards minority and and the marginalized that also means towards your brother if you oppress your brother or sister in christ you are defaming the name of jesus but let's let's praise him those sweet hymns of joy and grateful chorus raise we let all within us praise his holy name i i love just lyrically how you write that at the very end of the reverse and it pushes you. Matt and I talk about that a lot. Your song should push you to the next part, whether it's musically or, or lyrically, you should always be pushed to whatever is next. It should never just be the little standalone, you know, uh, refrigerator magnet kind of writing. And I love how it says, let all within us praise his holy name. And then you get to the chorus. Christ is the Lord. Oh, praise his name forever. His power and glory evermore proclaim. I, I love this song. I love the history behind it. Written in 1847, went through pretty crazy actions on the part of the Catholic Church in France. Came to America. And I'm sure when it came to America, it probably rocked the church in America, who was some pastors preachers were saying slavery is fine. It's biblical. And yet this song is all about the opposite. I love that it was declared unfit for church services. And yet in the right hands, it was used as a rallying cry for abolitionists in America. That is the story of the gospel. That's the story of our faith. In the wrong hands, the Messiah was mistreated and seen as a threat. But in the right hands, in our hands today, we can see the beauty of the gospel and proclaim it. Let all within us praise his holy name this Christmas season. I don't know where you are when you're listening to this. For some of us, the Christmas season is looking completely different, right? It is, your world has been rocked. And all you can rely on is the savior who was born to die. And you may feel like you're longing and you just weary, like the world itself, you're just weary right now. You know what happens when you get tired? You typically have to sit down. You know, I I know when I'm doing a really hard workout and my legs are trashed and I'm just, I'm a goner, I sit down or have to take a knee, fall on your knees. If you are weary, the best place 
to go is on your knees and to pray and to praise him. No matter what happens, listener, God is still good. He's still working. He's still in control. He's still loving. He's still just. He's still kind. He's still merciful. He's still gracious. He's still mindful of you. Nothing changes who God is. And what should change is our posture. And so if you in this moment are weary, I want you, if you can, if you're driving, don't please. I will not be held responsible for an accident. Sorry, collision. Uh, there's a line about collisions. It's on, there's no traffic accidents because there's someone's always at fault. Name that movie. Um, but if you are able and you're listening to this right now and you're weary and you're longing for something for the Lord to come through, fall on your knees right now. And I just want you to do what the song says, fall on your knees and praise him. Fall on your knees and remember who he is. Who is Jesus? Well, he's the lamb who was slain for you. For you. He died in your place. Nothing can ever separate you from the love of Christ Jesus. Nothing. Not height, nor depth, nor angels, nor demons, nor principalities, nor things of the earth, or not of the earth, nor nor height, nor depth, nor anything in all of creation can ever separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And that was secured on the cross. So fall on your knees right now if you're weary and just breathe and remember who Jesus is. You know, I often, uh, in counseling, I've counseled people through people actively having panic attacks. And Oftentimes it feels like you're drowning. It really does, right? It feels as if you're in like a small room and the water level is getting higher and now it's above your mouth and now it's above your nose and you're, you just can't breathe and you start to tense up. Here's the interesting thing. In Christ, we can fall beneath the waves because our stability our security, our well-being is in Christ. We don't have to worry about ourselves draining everything. We can just rest in him. And actually the beauty of it is as we rest and we breathe and we ground ourselves in who we are in Christ, the water level goes down and it goes down and it goes down and it goes down. One of my favorite songs, one of my favorite hymns, says, turn your eyes upon Jesus and the things of this world will go strangely dim. 2020 will fade away in your mind when you turn your eyes upon Jesus. And I hope, I hope that this song is one that you do or you sing in church or alone. Every church needs to sing this song. There is a reason why it has stood the test of time. There's a reason why people sing it. There's a reason why everyone wants to cover it. Musically, God had his hand on this song. Musically, he let people take this song and make it better. And lyrically, he was behind the words and the lyrics. And that is why 
I'm not saying that's not that's not the case for other songs, but that is why this song has stood the test of time because God wanted it to, because it's still relevant today in 2020 as it was in 1847. So anyway, I hope this blesses you. This podcast blesses you. I hope that you feel a little bit more at ease. You feel that peace that transcends all understanding. And I hope that you do sing the song. It's a beautiful song and I love this song and it's a blessing to me. So anyway, if you ever have any questions, critique, song ideas, song selections, suggestions, it's the same thing as a song idea, whatever, you know where to send them, theologyandmusic at gmail.com. But with that, I hope you guys have a wonderful day and a wonderful Lord's Day and Merry Christmas.